Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Thanks for coming and checking out LifePoint today if you're here for the first time. We are in week two of a series called The Chase, and we all have something in common today that, that I'm sure that we all share. We all think that there's a place or a thing or something in life that if we get there, then life is going to start to make more sense. Then everything's going to be okay. If I can just get to this next level in the company, if I can just get this one more relationship, if I can just get this one more level of income, then life is going to mean everything. It's going to be right where it's supposed to be and, and everything's going to be perfect and we chase and chase and chase and long for that and look for that. This whole series is based on some teaching from the Old Testament, writings from a guy named Solomon. He was king. He wrote down all of his thoughts in three different books, but specifically this one book we're looking at called the Book of Ecclesiastes, and it just means Book of the Teacher. And in the Book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon gives us his view on life after trying just about everything that there was for him to try. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one of those. You can take one home with you if you need one, or you can just read along in there as the verses are also on the screen, and just drop it off in the back when we finish today. Well, this wise man, Solomon, who the Bible says was the wisest man who ever lived, and the richest man who ever lived, even by today's standards, he would be the richest man in the world. He declared that life was meaningless. And last week, if you were here as we started out this series, the big thought was that if Solomon could speak to us today, he might say, do you really think that getting what you want will make you happy? Do you really think getting all that stuff that you might want, would it bring happiness? And really, this whole series is about the things we chase that we think will make us happy. And do you really think if you catch those things, you'll end up being happy because Solomon had all the money, all the fame, all the recognition. He was well-loved. He was a great leader who enjoyed peace that was unprecedented in his time. But through all of that, he figured out that all of that stuff that he possessed and enjoyed did not bring and could not bring happiness. See, you can have it all. You can have it all relationally, you can have it all financially, and you can still be left empty inside. And as this middle-aged king writes down his thoughts in the book of Ecclesiastes, he would have known that people would have listened for years and years and decades and decades because this king, he, he, it was like when, when the president writes his book, when he's out of office and he writes, no matter whether you like the president or not, that book is always a bestseller because people want to know a little bit more about what the guy has to say because it does take some wisdom to get to that level. And so Solomon was writing this down knowing that people were going to read this and pay attention to it for ages. And that's why in the very beginning of the book, he gets your attention by saying, meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless, Everything is meaningless. He declared life completely meaningless. Whether, so whether you're a career mom, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're a student, whether you're a leader, a corporate executive, whatever you are, 
from a laborer to something else. We need to listen to Solomon's words because as he starts to talk today, we, we all really do have something in common, no matter what our profession is or isn't. All of us want one thing today. If I said, if I said the words, who, who wants to fail? Raise your hand if you want to fail. Nobody's hand is up. But if I said, who wants to be successful? Everybody's hand should go up. We all want to be successful. Why? Success feels really good. When you enjoy some success in whatever you do in life, doesn't it feel really good? Guys, when you asked the first girl on a date and she said yes, didn't it feel like success? Score, yes, she said yes. Or when you ask her to marry you or whatever, when, when that first level of success came. And we enjoy that because from a very small age, young age, small child, we, we're trained to love pats on the back. And we know that it feels good. From sitting on the toilet and your parents saying, honey, please, just for mommy and daddy, just make poo-poo, please. Just put, get, put it in the toilet. And, and you do it and everybody's like, yay, you did it. And they're clapping. And then the, the first time you eat vegetables and you're eating and your parents are like, yes, they're finally eating green beans. <laughs> you know, the heavens are good. And you get patted on the back and you're like, well, that feels really good. And even as a little, little toddler, you figure out success feels really good. So no wonder as we grow up, you know, we're still waiting on people to say, yay, great job. That was awesome. And no matter how on the outside, you know, we get pats on the back, we're like, oh, it was nothing. <laughs> yeah, it, was really, it was no big deal. But on the inside, you're like, thank you. That feels so good. We all enjoy being successful because it feels good to be good at something. And Solomon has something to say about our success as well. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 4, he says this, And I saw that all toil... And all achievements spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Now the word achievement, it comes from a Hebrew word because that's what the Old Testament was written in. It also means success. If you go to Amazon.com and type in the words how to be successful, you will get over 180,000 books on success. They will tell you, if you employ these things in your life, if you buy into a certain way of doing life, if you develop some habits, if you have some certain disciplines, then you too will be successful all for $24.99 or whatever the book costs. All of those books and those writings, which some, some of which are very good and, and shape the way a lot of us do things, but they all tell us one thing, this is how you can be successful and Solomon is watching people, and he's watching them be successful. He's watching them work really hard, and he sees a problem, and he's not knocking success. What he starts to knock is the motivation that caused these people, whoever he was watching, to cause them to want to be successful. So 3,000 years ago, people were still trying to keep up with the Joneses. People were still eyeing what others have and thinking, I've got to have that. 
Now, I don't know what it would have been 3,000 years ago. There, only, you know, there were no catalogs. There were no you know, shopping centers. There were, where would you, what would you see that other people had? But whatever it was, they would see it and they would think, I'm going to work hard because I want to have that because my neighbor has it. Now, today I get that. I mean, if you get an iPhone 5 before I do, I'm going to be upset. I mean, I've checked every day. I want to know when it's going to be here because I'm still on that old thing. I'm, I'm sacrificing every day. Mine is the iPhone 3. You know, it's like two versions ago. But I can't wait. And you, hopefully nobody else on staff or around me gets one before me because when I look at it, I'm going to say, life would be better if I had that. It's worth the 200 400 bucks, whatever, because my life would be more organized. It, w- it would. And we do that with things a lot bigger than phones. If I could have that, now that would make my life happy. So I'm going to work really hard and sacrifice what I have to sacrifice in order to have that thing that I see somebody else having because I want it. And that's what Solomon is knocking. Not hard work. He's knocking the motivation. And he's saying, these people, you're motivated by envying what other people have. Think of the person who you think has it all together, who you've probably looked at and thought, I wish we could have that. I wish our relationship could be like theirs. Oh, look how sweet he is to her. Look how wonderful and happy she is all. Why can't we be like them? Just put up some cameras in their house and you'll see. You don't want to be like them because they've got issues. They've got problems. Maybe they've learned to deal with them in some ways that you don't know how, but they've got issues too. So just seeking to be like somebody else is going to end up feeling meaningless. Solomon would not have made the circuit as a motivational teacher. Because, I mean, he had one line. Hey, Solomon, could you come and just motivate our crowd, get our company on edge and and get up there and let them have it. Meaningless, meaningless, life is meaningless. That'll be, you know, $10,000. He would not have done a good job as a motivational teacher because his motivation was, you need to realize life is meaningless. Wait, I thought success was a good thing. I thought it was good to be successful. And I thought, I thought being, achieving was a good thing in life and we're taught from a young age to achieve and succeed. Achievement that begins and ends with me will always be meaningless what Solomon's trying to tell us in this verse. If it begins and ends with me and just me trying to get to this level and just, oh honey, if we could just do this one more thing, our ship's going to come in and and it's going to work out this time, I promise. If it just starts with us and ends with us and is just for us, then it's going to be meaningless. Now I know that we all get to the point where we think, if I could just achieve this other level, then I would be happy. If I could just be successful like that person is successful, then I would be happy. If that were true, then by reasoning this out, only successful people and people who have achieved would be happy, right? If that's what it took for happiness, then everybody who's successful and everybody who's achieved something in life, they would be the happiest people on the face of the earth. But we know that's not true. Every time some famous singer or famous artist of some kind overdoses, every time somebody commits suicide that was just 
famous and had everything. You think, how could they do that? They had everything going for them. Because maybe success is not the key to happiness in life. That's what Solomon is trying to get through to us. A couple of years ago, I went to Dominican Republic to look at this uh, ministry that we were considering partnering with at that time. And I went into this place called The Hole where it was just full of poverty and it was just a dump. It was a slum. There was, there was nothing there but 10 shacks. People were just, there were pigs and chickens and, and filth and stink everywhere. You would expect those to be the most unhappy people on the face of the earth. You would expect no one to have a smile on their face. But as I walked down this hill where several Americans would walk a week, and I walked into this, not really a field, just this open area, and all of these kids and people came out to meet us, I didn't see an unhappy person. I saw smiles on people's faces, little kids with you know, filthy, dirty hands and faces coming up and hugging and wanting to, wanting to touch your skin and wanting to be around you because they'd never seen anybody like you before. And, and, and they were happy. And then I met this pastor who had given up a job in the city somewhere to come and live in this slum and be a pastor and be, be the hope of that community and plant a church And be the place for spiritual guidance. And be the place where people could get food and clothing and some education. And as I listened to him tell his story, if we look at his life, you would think, I would hate that kind of life. But I listened to him through a translator tell me his story. And all of his vision and his plan for this little community that you will probably never see or hear about. You'll never know his name and I'll probably never see him again as long as I live. But I heard this plan and I heard him get excited. And he couldn't wait till some church could get enough money together, which is an amount we could just write a check for and never miss it. And build him a church building. And the church ended up doing that. And build him a church building out of tin and concrete and really cheap and a few families here could get together and just do it right now, that man is successful. We're building a building down the street. We're no more successful than he is. But he was happy. So if, if it took achievement by our standards in order to be happy, then by our definition, that man should be unhappy. All those little kids who were filled with smiles should be unhappy. We live in a world that says, if you are successful, you have more value. And we teach that to our kids. You have more value if you do better in school. You have more value if you're better at sports or something. And Solomon is saying that kind of thinking will lead you to a meaningless life. Now, we've all enjoyed some level of success at work, at school, on the field. Everybody in here has had some level of success. You got here today. You got dressed. Somehow you got, you, you're here, so you, you can do some things successfully. So we've all enjoyed some level of success. So does that mean success is bad? Is it a bad thing to make it to the top of my field? Is it a bad thing to climb the corporate ladder and get to the top of my company? Is it a bad thing to build a business that makes a lot of money to put in my pocket? Is it a bad thing for, to want our kids to achieve at school? 
Is it a bad thing to want them to make great grades so they can do scholarships and get a better job? Are all of those bad things? Well, it depends. It depends on who you're doing it for. What is the motivation for success? What's the motivation to do what you do? Because when achievement and success begins and ends with me, it can destroy my health. It can destroy relationships. It it can even destroy my eternity. When it's all about me and when it starts and it ends with me, it can destroy everything. And so this verse in Ecclesiastes is saying it is, it's meaningless to work just to catch up with others. Solomon goes on in these nine short verses we're looking at today to, to kind of say, like we would say, hey, and another thing. He, he's saying, hey, don't, don't just work to keep up with others because that's meaningless. And another thing, beginning at verse 7, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. Had, he had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked. Why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless. A miserable business. More of Solomon's motivational quotes. So here's a hardworking guy that finally asks the question, who am I doing this for? You might be asking yourself the same question. Who am I doing this for? Or, or why are we living this way? And, and you, don't have to be, you don't even have to be employed to be asking that question. You could just look at your schedule and think, who am I doing this for? Did my kids ask to be so scheduled out that, that they only have time to do their homework in the car or depriving themselves of sleep? Does a nine-year-old ever come and say, Mom, Dad, could you just give us more things to do in the evening? I really want to have a busier evening. They don't say that. We're the ones that put that on them. Who are you doing that for? Well, I want them to be well-rounded and successful. And I want them to learn how to live a busy life that's stressed out. Because that's what they learn. That's what they think life's supposed to be about. So ask yourself the question, like you haven't already, who are we doing this for? You got to say it with that attitude. Who just I, sitting around the table with your family and say, "Kids, who are we doing this for?" Honey, who are we doing this for? That's what this guy was asking three thousand years ago. He was working hard, and he wanted to know, who, "Who am I doing this for?" You might think, "Well, I'm building something." You are. You might be building this relational wall between you and, and your family, or between you and God, maybe that's what you're building. That's why it's important we all say, who are we doing this for? Another principle that speaks through this verse is that constant work, toil as he calls it, deprives us of enjoyment. He's not even enjoying his work. He's saying, I wish I didn't have to work so much so I could enjoy life a little bit. And he's also implying that he's lonely. Who do I have to leave it to? I mean, the reason, part of the reason that we work is because we want to provide, not just for ourselves, the basic necessities, but we want to provide for our family. And we want to provide for them abundantly, hopefully. There's nothing wrong with that. 
But he's asking this question. He, this guy doesn't have anybody. He's, he doesn't have a brother. He doesn't have a son to leave it all to. So he's like, well, who am I doing this for? Why am I losing enjoyment in life? So he's lonely. And I really think Solomon's talking about himself here. Not, he, this is a hypothetical person. And he's talking about somebody else, but he's really talking about himself. And now you think about Solomon. How in the world could a king, with all the money and power in the world at that time, how could he be lonely? How, how could he possibly be lonely? He's got 700 wives and a, a, one, 300 girlfriends. Just on the record, that's not a good thing to have. He didn't use his wisdom when he was going for, for marriages and girlfriends. That was a bad thing. But nevertheless, he had them. A thousand women around him all the time. And he's thinking, I'm lonely. Being around people does not prevent loneliness. You probably know that. You probably know what it's like to sit in a room, maybe even right here today, and you're thinking, there's all these people around me. And I walked in this hallway, and there's all these people, and we're going to get up and say hello to each other afterwards. And I'm going to go home and I'm still going to feel lonely. That's really what Solomon is dealing with right here, is not achievement. He's dealing with loneliness. And throughout, throughout his whole book, he continues to say, tried this, it was meaningless. Tried this, it was meaningless. And then in this second part of, of these verses, he, he starts to share something that that sounds positive. So he's talking about work and toil and success and everything. And he's saying, that's all meaningless. It's meaningless. And then he turns and starts to say something that sounds like, here's, some, here's something you ought to do. Beginning at verse 9 of chapter 4, he says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If they fall down, they can help each other up. But pity those who fall and have no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So against all of this realistic thinking about life being meaningless, Solomon says something that we can really start to, to grab a hold of. And that is that life is all about relationships. And that there is power in being relationally connected with other people. When I think of some of the lowest times in my life, the times when I felt desperate, those were made better by people who I was, who I was in relationship with. When I think of some of the greatest times in life, the, the times to celebrate it was made even sweeter because I had people in my life, friends, that I could celebrate with. And it's interesting, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes from start to finish, you will hear Solomon say that many things are meaningless. Money, wealth, toil, everything. He says everything is meaningless. But one thing he doesn't say is meaningless is investing in relationships. He never says don't waste your time investing in relationships because those are meaningless. He never says it. Being connected to deep personal relationships outweighs achievement 
or success 100% of the time. Would you rather be rich and lonely or poor and loved? And maybe you're like, well, I'd like to just give it a try. You know, just, maybe I could just let me give it a shot. What about this? If somebody came up and said, hey, how much do you want for your kids? What do you mean? Well, I'm going to write a check, name your price. I know on a bad day you might say, well, hold on, let me get my wife and we'll get you a price. But just in general, okay? Not on your bad day, not on a day when they've done something wrong, but a day when you're looking at them with all the love a parent could have and somebody says, how much you want for them? You're going to say, well, they're not for sale. Oh, yeah, I'm going to give you all the money you want. No, price is no object. You're not going to sell your children. Why? Because you love them, because you have a relationship with them. Nor would you do that to your husband or your wife, I hope. <laughs> what valuable relationship is in your life that you would give up for money? Probably none. If it's a relationship that's building up your life, you wouldn't give that up for all the money in the world because you know, you know that relationships is what life is all about. So what do we do with what Solomon says? What do we, he's telling us that, hey, don't, don't just work to keep up with other people. Figure out why you're doing what you're doing. And by the way, relationships is really where you need to be focused in life. That's where you're going to find strength and enjoyment and power. So what do you do with what Solomon says about work? You just stop working hard? You go into your boss and say, boss, you know, my pastor, let me show you this. I don't know what you think about the Bible, but I need to take a few days off because look at what this says right here. I got to go figure out who I'm working for. He'll tell you who you're working for or not working for really fast if you try that. So you just give it up and not work anymore? No, I don't think that's what Solomon's trying to say. Do you just stop trying to get the promotion? Stop trying to make your business successful? Of course not. I mean, the, the biblical principle is work and work hard. And for that, you may get rewarded. And that's not a bad thing. But get the proper perspective. And if you get the proper perspective on your work and your success... You will prevent meaninglessness from entering into your life. There's a verse in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul in the book of Colossians, chapter 3. It's two verses, verses 23 and 24. And it says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord and not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. So this, this verse is saying, doesn't matter what you're doing, work at it as if you're working for the Lord, not for men. This verse got me through some very hard classes in college, classes that I hated. Professors I would assume never want to think about again and never want to meet because it was so hard and it was so irrelevant to everything in life. But I went to my pastor at that time and I was like, help me. I know I should do really as good as I can in this class, but I, I hate it. And he read this verse to me and it got me through because it changed my motivation for what I was doing. And that's what Solomon would tell us. It's not about being successful or not successful. Is if you're successful, who are you doing it for and why are you doing it? And this verse says, do it for the Lord. How do you know if you're doing it for the Lord 
or for men? Just ask yourself this question. Does my work harm my relationships with people and with God? If it does, then figure out the answer. If what I do as a profession, as a business, whatever, harms relationships at home, harms my relationship with God, then I either need to do something as as simple as changing my motivation for what I'm doing, or I need to do something else. I need to just stop and change careers. Because you already said money didn't mean everything because you wouldn't sell your kids, right? So if you won't sell your kids, then you've already established, hey, I can feel good about myself. Money doesn't mean everything. But what's the motivation? And if it's something that's harming relationships horizontally and vertically, then maybe you need to do something else. If you apply this verse, this one verse in Colossians to your life, you will start all of a sudden to feel some meaning just through changing the way you think. The people who can tell you that are your close friends and your family. Just ask them, who do you think I'm working for? What do you think my motivation is? As you have dinner this week, sitting around the table in your family or hanging out with your friends, start to talk about this. Like, who, who are we really doing this for? Because Solomon's trying to tell us that all of this stuff in life, it, it, it should revolve around relationships because that's where meaning is going to come in life that's relationships that's why we changed around even the way we do our kids ministry our little kids little kindergartners up up through fifth grade we changed it because we wanted them to get in relational environments both services and have that opportunity to do that so we totally changed the way we did it so they could start to do that early and Solomon leaves us with this with this idea write this down if you didn't write anything else down work hard for the right reasons And as I get closer to others, then life will start to have more meaning. If we do that, work hard for the right reasons, invest and develop meaningful, deep relationships, then we will never be like Solomon and say, life is meaningless because it will have more and more meaning. That's God's design. Let's pray. God, thank you for this one verse that speaks so much to us about our motivation, why we do things. And God, as we enjoy whatever level of success you you have enabled us to do so, as we enjoy that, Father, may we do it for the right reasons and see all of our work for you to get us closer to you, closer to the others. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.